0: Hi, welcome back to Freshwater Perspectives. Today, we're talking about bow fishing from A to Z, so stay tuned.
1: And we're back. Another week, Matt. How are we doing?
0: It's I'm happy because the, the semester's over. Glad you're I'm, happy. I'm done taking classes for now. I'm done grading so many papers. Are you done with your course load now? So technically, yes. I want to take one more stat course so I can get a stats minor. Glutton for punishment. Yeah, <laughs> I really am. Uh I I'm gonna think hard this summer (laughs) whether or not how bad how much that stat minor is gonna help me in the long run.
1: But Mm. we'll see. (laughs) I'm sure it will help, yeah.
0: Yeah, I uh, had a undergrad professor that he said at least he said the only reason he got that job was because he had a stat minor coming out of undergrad so he could teach like a stat
1: related biology course, but I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I guess between like a graduate study person in an undergrad that's one of the big difference right is yeah you're you're but on the flip side i mean there's also statisticians <laughs> so yeah you know? well what are they doing i'm kidding <laughs> totally kidding
0: yeah well one thing i will say and i appreciate all the statisticians out there however at least when i've taken stats courses taught by statisticians they focus a lot on the mathematics and it mm-hmm. just makes it really hard to try to connect that to the you know like the
1: actual use and implementation of those of those methods i think like researchers knowing the stats like a working knowledge you must have mm-hmm. you do the work and then you verify with the statistician i think that's the best like order of operations yeah
0: no that's a right? i think that yeah that works even better 100 mm-hmm. percent.
1: so yeah huh, well fun dude
0: yeah i'm looking forward to a busy summer rachel and i so one so we officially have a new apartment so we're moving in the uh, the beginning of June. We're moving How out. How sad!
1: Leaving Alabama, so. Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> there, you gonna listen to that while you drive over. Absolutely not. I hope that the time zone really messes with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure it'll mess up our re- our recording at, w- at least once or twice. Because I'm gonna be like, oh, you oh, ready yeah. to go for like 9 a.m. or 6 p.m. And I'm just I'm gonna be on like way late or something. <laughs> mm-hmm but I think it'll actually help because it's about an hour, 45 minute drive and it's an hour ahead. So I get that hour back driving across to Alabama. So I don't have to wake up any later.
1: You, you know, it's so if an hour I leave 45 from Auburn, no, it's an hour
0: slash like 45. It's between that roughly. Oh, I was like, Oh my God, man, you're going to drive four <laughs>
1: hours a day. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was like, that's your life choice, but jeez. she's, <laughs> I almost had to do an intervention on you for a second. There. I was like, no way. Are you living an hour for driving an hour forty-five? No, 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 no.
0: An yeah. hour is, is just about the most I could do every day. So I think um mm-hmm. I think it'll be good. It's a yeah. nice area. Uh the job Rachel's got is fantastic. They seem really great. And she seems mm-hmm. excited to be out there. So she's she graduates next Monday. And then she's off her, she's been off since Thursday. So she's just, she's Next just chilling. Next
1: Monday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? It really is. Oh, are you going to do a, a fun um, graduation party or anything?
0: Yeah. So we're going back home. So her little brother graduates undergrad. So she graduates on Monday. We're going to my cousin's wedding in Dallas on Sunday, Saturday. Flying to Jersey on Sunday. Her little brother graduates undergrad in New York on Monday. So oh we're just God. we're gonna be all over the place. But we're spending that week. Her little brother graduates. We're gonna be up in Jersey, seeing friends, seeing family. I gotta meet mm-hmm. with my groomsmen and hang out with them for a little bit, and nice. then we're gonna try to we're gonna try to hit up a soccer game. So we'll see. A little
1: mini vacation. I remember when I graduated Auburn. We uh, the family came down. Mm-hmm. It took a little arm twisting, but I got. I told my parents, I was like, let's book an Airbnb on Lake Barton. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. Took a little mm-hmm. arm-twisting because they're like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, they're just Midwestern. Yeah. They're like <laughs> new places. <laughs> yeah, my mom like lit candles before they came down. She was so she like, concerned.
0: <laughs> she <laughs> did not.
1: <laughs> the church, dude. Those pagans. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> They do we had I don't know, there was like a place, a complex little thing. It wasn't a resort, but like they also you had access to like a swimming pool, almost like an HOA, I guess.
0: Oh, yeah, that's nice.
1: Swimming like the the swimming pool is like right on the um the shoreline. Oh. It was gorgeous. Yeah, Um, that's a nice setup. Okay. Yeah, so wait, so is she gonna walk then? Yes, for graduation, yes, yes, yes. Sorry.
0: I don't know why. For some reason, I thought you meant walk to work. I was like, no, it's still pretty
1: far from work. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a 15 minute drive for her, but I mean, I guess she could if she wants to. There's like, speaking about driving, we like live in a very rural area. And like right now, I walk to work. We live in town. Oh, that's nice. But like, I really want to be on the Mississippi River, like the actual Mm -hmm. right on the banks. And that's Mm -hmm. like 50. 56 minutes away Mm. i was like it's just just the tiniest bit too far and i was like it hurts my soul every day (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm also of the opinion though that i'd rather live
0: somewhere that i like more be more comfortable in one place and drive a little bit further than the opposite where i'm closer but the place isn't as nice i'm sure your house is perfectly fine for you guys right now but
1: right now so uh, maybe in the future right so we're still trying to decide and then yeah with a little, little noodle coming, you know also, who, who knows where <laughs> they'll be. <laughs> um,
0: also, Miss, I mean, right on the banks of Mississippi. I don't know the river floods a lot, man.
1: It's it's that's so that was gonna be my update, my water update today. Oh, is the Mississippi, at least in the upper Mississippi, is, is like one of the all time highs. Oh wow! And I tell you, man. So I, I mean, anybody for our four listeners. I went to school in La Crosse, Wisconsin, right on the banks of Mississippi. And I went and visited um, a couple last week. Like, it was just under, like, crest stage. Mm-hmm. But so what it's like is, like, I mean, it's a giant valley. You were there, right? Yeah. And, like, yep. you, good, good. you look across, and the Army Corps installed. So there's a combination of, like, natural islands. But then there's a, a more, like, Army Corps installed, these, like, U-shape islands to, like, Slow the water, all that stuff. So, like, all those islands aren't necessarily real. Hmm. But they're, like, they kind of, like, put them in, and then, like, they're growing each year with the sediment coming down. Oh. But, like, this. so this last week, I have never seen in my entire life. It was, I mean, effectively a bowl. And all those islands were underwater. So you look across, and it's just straight water. And it's Holy cow. It's wild. It's so wild. It's like, oh, my gosh. That's insane. It's really... Um And like we've gotten a good amount of rain, yeah. Again, an hour away, and we're from, mm-hmm. like a major tributary that I help manage, right? The river it's called. I'm mm-hmm. going into not a major. It's a uh, tributary. Okay, it's not like the, the Missouri <laughs> or anything, but like <laughs> um, like you're like oh yeah, the like the water is high up here, and they they they're almost at like crest stage or you want to call it down there. And I was wow. like wow, oh, like there's still more coming and you're like oh my hmm. gosh it's just weird to think about
0: i mean is that just so is that a combination of rainfall and snow melt or is it mostly um, just rainfall
1: so we've been without snow for a couple weeks okay there was like i mean we did get like a couple inches one day but then it like all melted so it yeah, was yeah, interesting yeah. but like uh up north i hear depends on how far up north though because that switches basins yeah, because a... there's a great lakes basin. I mean, like, oh, like okay. there's still snow you're... in the town that I used to live in. There's still snow. Oh, wow. And I th- I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily the just a fluke season or what, um, because I wasn't up there for more than one year. But like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so there is it's more so we, we've we had a couple rainfalls where it's been like inch plus of rain. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. Mm. And then to think about this too, like the Mississippi River, oh, a couple of our podcasts, I think we talked about this when we started, it was at all time lows. Remember?
0: Yes. Yes. You did mention that. Yeah. So
1: like now we're Yeah, because at, the
0: the barges were getting
1: stuck. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I don't know what the water height down South is, um, but yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. You can have like historic highs or at least in the last couple of decades, the highest point it's been. And then mm-hmm. now, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: insane. Well, that's weird. like, well, I mean, just last year with right California and and the West Coast, they were like Lake Mead was almost empty, and mm-hmm. now it's like overflowing. They have such they have an excess of water now in that in that reservoir. It's just crazy right. how stuff can Actually, change I didn't so quickly. Follow
1: up on that. Oh, yeah, I remember. Isn't that weird? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I was looking at all the comments for the, the upper Mississippi, and they're like, "This is why we need to divert water to the West." They're talking about the um. <laughs> the giant um, cistern culvert that would bring water out west Mm-mm. isn't that weird
0: nah, i don't like that idea personally yeah Matt that's just me mean,
1: so it's not gonna happen yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's like no no it's our water i don't know i just when you're when you're moving like major river systems i, eh, I don't like it
1: mm. that's gonna be, be an interesting one yeah Because it could bring what we're talking about today. Beautiful segue. If you're done, Matt, with the updates. Oh, I'm done. Okay. One of the reasons why we don't like movement of water to new places is invasive species. That's what we'll talk about today. Look at that segue. (laughs) There's geography, geology (laughs) that can prevent movement of invasives. (laughs) If you prevent, bring down those barriers, things will happen. So today we'll be talking about sea lamprey specifically Ah, in the great lakes classic okay you ready for this yep let's get let's get started sea lamprey or vampire fish i wish they'd just be called vampire fish okay i
0: mean yeah i think it'd it'd get people to be a little bit more aware of them right (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so this is one of the most notable in my opinion and others um freshwater invasive species to have come to the united states so we're specifically focusing about United States, as well as Canada today. Mm-hmm. Um, they came in last past century. And what we're going to be talking about is, first off, the ecology, Move into the Great Lakes, and why they are such great invasive species. Any questions? Any thoughts? What are your, what are your um, sea lamprey um, knowledge, pre-knowledge? Let's take a pre-test. Um,
0: <laughs> so I know a decent amount about how they, I mean, I think it's pretty well known, at least in like our field, how they got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that um, as far as their life history, I don't know too much. I do know, I think at least it's like mostly one species that is that like parasitic kind of blood sucking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of the, na- at least like in Alabama, the native species of lamprey, I don't think they're parasitic. Um, I don't think, or it may just be like their adult stage. I think it depends. Yeah.
1: Definitely be on stage,
0: yeah. Um, But besides that, um, I know that there was a bunch of different programs to try to mitigate them. I'm not gonna. I'm sure you'll get into that, so I don't want to steal your thunder. Yes. Um, But yeah, I know there's been millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, um, thrown at getting rid of sea lamprey in the Great Lakes, and I think it's been working because I haven't heard too much about them recently.
1: So, okay, I'm gonna stop this (laughs) pretest. So you know, you know some stuff. So it's always a risk doing a pretest, I guess. <laughs> Matt, that savant over there. <laughs> Tell everybody all right, all man, my I'm secrets. Up, I'm up on my
0: news, sorry.
1: All right, all right, here we go. So let's start, first is ecology, okay? So what are sea lamprey? Um, sea lamprey are jawless, scaleless, eel-like fish that are parasitic in nature. They are anadromous, meaning that parts of their life cycle, so there is gonna be a couple of life cycles like Matt touched upon um are both in salt and fresh water they move from one place to the next um or they might not so we'll discuss that a little bit later and typically at adult form they're 14 to 24 inches long and weigh up to five pounds why are they called vampire fish is most notably they have an appendage is a sucker-like mouth that spans the underside of their head very weird if you look at it so if you flip it over it's just like yeah, <laughs> it's pretty
0: gnarly looking it's like just a yeah. suction cup made of teeth it's pretty it's gnarly. A suction,
1: like think about your face and it just be like yeah it's just, mm-mm. yeah it's they're they're pretty gnarly um circular rows of teeth though so it's like mm-hmm. and then right in the middle is uh a sucker like well they have a sucker like mouth and then they have a I think it's called a raspula i didn't write this down but i remember this from like so, e- raspula or radula radula and it's like a tongue that like scrapes
0: mm-hmm. yeah because i think yeah. snails have the same thing like sea snails
1: yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so what this mouth is done is is used for is it it attaches to the side of a fish okay <laughs> suction cups to it Um, And then it uses its armored tongue to scrape away fish's flesh until it reaches the fish's fluid. So, vampire, right? Mosquito, whatever you want to think about it, like that's what it's doing. Um, Lamprey even produce to keep the fluids flowing. uh, They feed. They have anti-blood clotting agents known as lampreythin.
0: Oh, I didn't know.
1: Lampreythin, yeah, that keeps the blood and fluids flowing out of its prey without the clotting so
0: wow did not know that
1: sucking down perpetually yeah
0: interesting
1: and i think mosquitoes don't they have that too like a little and that's why there's like that reaction is because they have those like agents to keep it i gone. have
0: no idea i guess it makes sense yeah they have some sort of thing that your body reacts to
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um also so like A little fun fact, we're not going to go too far into this. If feeding on sharks and rays, because remember, they are saltwater and adult. Mm -hmm. So freshwater is young, Mm -hmm. saltwater and adult, if they're in their natural habitat or range. Um, If they're feeding on sharks and rains, sharks and rays have high amounts of urea, if you didn't know. Oh, yes. And these contents can be harmful to animals. However, um, this does not seem to affect lamprey. And they hmm. can feed on sharks, for example, until their victims die. If they had a really good, I don't know. What? Suction.
0: So I don't know. Jeez. That's what it said. They so not them dry. Of sharks. Or maybe Holy it's like
1: cow. a group of them. But yeah. So. I
0: they could like it'd have to be. Actually, I don't
1: know. It'd be
0: a fat lamprey. Holy yeah. cow. That's insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are the traits for the adult form. But there's also a much different juvenile form. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a totally different life. Well, that part of its life cycle is totally different. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, ba- 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 ba. Once lamprey have fed on prey for around a year to 20 months, they migrate up to a freshwater river or stream tributary to spawn. Uh, this is where their a, a dra- adrenadromous life mm-hmm. begins. Uh, they lay eggs on gravel nests in moderate moving water, and the adults die after spawning. Oh, okay. So they are, I guess, the salmon of the lamps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, what if
1: that was like the human life cycle? Oof. That'd Would be a tough a decision.
0: Was, like, <laughs> 99. Like, it is done! <laughs> That'd be a tough decision to make, man.
1: <laughs> Maybe in like high school sex ed, we could like implement that, be like, what you're gonna say. die.
0: Ed <laughs> so class will be a lot different. Uh, <laughs> Choose <yeah>. wisely, children. <laughs> All right, we're back, Riley. What's going on, man?
1: I am good. another week. I just literally just got off the water. Ooh so um did well, this is like the the first week things really made changes around here like it's stiffs is blooming like stuff mm-hmm. is actually like trees have leaves now and uh so yeah we one of sam's friends husband wife duo they came down the, the guy okay. wanted to catch a trout Ooh! um so i was like i can help with that uh so we went canoeing and like i guided him quote unquote that was actually nice. quite fun i want to do it like as a side hustle
0: yeah like, you got to be careful that's like, a competitive industry guiding
1: mm-hmm. get like a, one of those they call them drift boats mm-hmm and you just orient the person while they go fishing mm-hmm I look, they make like five, six hundred dollars a day, like a full day. Yeah.
0: Oh, you can make like a lot shit. of money off it. People I mean people that's their and that's like their career.
1: Yeah. Yeah, apparently people up around here, a lot of people come from Chicago. Um, because this is they just that's really good trout fishing to be honest. So like hmm. uh I was like, that'd be so fun. But yeah, so like he caught a few. Okay. And, uh, that was fun. And then we, we derped around, went to a couple of different streams. So part of the fun of my summer is going to be like looking at different streams around here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taking a fly fishing class too. So that's another update. My wife oh, nice. taking a fly fishing class. Okay. And, um, yeah, they're like really, I don't know why, like for a couple of years there, I went to just like the same streams when I was around here. Cause it's just mm-hmm. ease of use. You go fish. I just, like, you know, at Auburn, right? I would go fishing there, and I was, like, kind of kicking myself because, like, half the, like, thing, the one guy was, like, he's, like, take your map and, you know, cross off the bad spots that you go to, but then also circle the good spots. But he's, like, half the the fun is going, like, searching, like, all these. We have hundreds of miles of streams. I was, like, that's so smart. So, yeah, we're starting to go around all these different spots. And uh, we've got some cool places around here. Got some. The one we went to today was uh, just... Slimy and uh, what do we want to call it? Um, planty, I guess you know. Okay. So I was like, stringy algae as well as some like oh, uh, okay, like macrophytes and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. And because then, then you can work your way back and like what's going on in this watershed, right? Mm-hmm. And we were in a, a cattle pasture, so I was like, this is pretty oh, okay. on the yeah. nose, like what's happening here? But mm-hmm. <laughs> still, I was like, isn't it? Yeah, just the whole like it was really like thick so i'm like how much nutrients are going in this little, tiny little stream yeah and, uh, got my noodle going anyways yeah no, it's um, interesting. what else is going on i am getting into i think i want to grow shrimp
0: okay you've mentioned this several times to me both on and off air so yeah. okay
1: think i have stuff queued up in my like amazon account to buy it so I, <laughs> this time so maybe it's not just my public thing that i just want to i'm okay. going to try it out so, okay uh, on and a these small are... scale i learn so i think like a hundred gallon little tank which isn't that big okay. everybody mm-hmm. you, yeah so um i think and i got these my are... wife convinced to let are me these
0: try. are these like pacific white shrimp or are pacific they white like shrimp. okay yeah okay mm-hmm.
1: okay you can do a lot of different things um, so that's going to be hopefully. I have to install in the next two weeks a sump in my basement, mm-hmm. a sump pump, mm-hmm. um, and a radon. But the next okay. is shrimp.
0: In fact, like the radon detector should have been in months ago when you bought the house.
1: Well I mean, so yeah, it's fine up there, right? Yeah. But like down here is where well, yeah, the issue no, is. Yeah. So... There's no
0: ventilation down there
1: yeah so i was like my pregnant wife i was like my goal is just to have it all ready to go before mm-hmm. um doomsday just kidding baby day yeah so um <laughs> it, but yeah so i think i have okay. it it's gonna be in the basement here a little tank nice okay quote-unquote little and then the biofilter like straight up aquaculture so yeah and then i think i figured out a way to like ventilate the area so it doesn't smell like fish oh
0: yeah that's a really it, good i don't mean, think
1: it's the size of a someone's like personal, like a fish tank, right? It's the size yeah. of a fish tank, mm-hmm. a big mm-hmm. one, bigger. But like, so if you think people who have a fish tank does their house, whole house smell like fish? Usually not.
0: Sometimes. Yeah. That's a good point. But I was
1: like, if we can ventilate it, it's not going to be a problem at all. And then I think I could get like fifty-seven pounds <laughs> out of it. <What>? <laughs>
0: That's so many than I thought you were going to say.
1: The stocking rate, yeah. If I'm looking at the stocking rate, right, um, like 50 pounds. Wow. Because it's like nine shrimp a gallon or something like that. Huh. And then if you grow them out to 18 weeks, they're bigger size. You know?
0: Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. Oh, huh.
1: Maybe I'm wrong on that. Or maybe that's the stocking, immediate stocking rate with the idea that some are gonna, there's going to be more talent. Yeah,
0: yeah. I have no idea, but that's interesting. So next week
1: I'm doing a shrimp talk, so you better not take it. So I'm going to be no, I believe
0: it or not, shrimp was not on my list.
1: (laughs) Well, so then like I got into it and I was like, oh, this would be fun to do. My wife, if she ever listens to this, she'd be like, just roll her eyes. But um, then there's somebody like 30 miles away from me that apparently like started a shrimp farm. So I kind of want to like go to the. I don't know if it's still in operation, but I want to be like, hey, how's it going? Cause I want to see how they do it. Yeah. This
0: is just, this is just so on brand for you. you. You just can't sit still, man. You have a baby on the way in what? Four months, five months Four and months. You're just,
1: yeah. And you're, and you're Dude, trying this to is set a good, up a shrimp farm. <laughs> it's a good hobby because, um, it's in my basement <laughs> yeah. like,
0: ba- but babies can't have seafood for like a year or something and it's not you don't baby feed babies. It shrimp <laughs> it's my shrimp
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes i kind of want to okay there's a the farm somewhere 30 miles away from me and i want to like try the shrimp and then go into their operation and be like first off does it smell super bad Mm -hmm. what does it taste like well because if it tastes like absolute garbage then this is just.
0: (laughs) i feel like large-scale aquaculture does have a smell to it but like small scale in your basement probably doesn't
1: it's like it's like one dog not too much of a smell 15 dogs in a house it's gonna smell like dog
0: yeah yeah
1: i don't have a dog so i'm gonna venture to say houses with dogs but it's uh, just I mean, the amount of smell. You know, what I'm saying, like, what's yeah. that stank? I as mean,
0: someone—it's of... always, you know—you kind of get nose blind after a while. But we had two mm-hmm. dogs growing up, and at least no one said to my face that our do- at our house smelled bad. <laughs> so I don't you know. know maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> when they maybe when <laughs> they went, the when nested. they went home to their parents, like, oh, how was how was how was Matt's house? It, it's fine. They their house just <laughs> smells terrible because of two dogs. But,
1: <laughs> uh, but I just rambled there for five minutes. How you doing, dude?
0: Uh, we're doing great. We're another week closer to moving out and moving into our new place. We are stockpiling furniture. Our place looks like a total mess right now, but we got the dining set put back together, so that looks fantastic. Love it. The yeah, original so color. That you're leaving. I know, but it our new place is so much nicer. Oh, I can't wait. It has. It's like a. So it had <laughs> when they were showing us around the place. You know, she was telling us, she's showing us like, oh, you know, for this price, you get brand new like stainless steel appliances, in-unit washer dryer, and then like as like the big cat as like the big kind of tray on top. She was like, and for an extra ten dollar a month fee, you can get trash valet. And I was like, what is this trash valet? I she says, you that. just take your trash and you sit outside your door, and somebody comes and grabs it Monday through Thursday. And I said. That's one of those things where it's like, I wouldn't care if it wasn't there, but that it's here, I'll probably use it for an extra $10 a month. Why not? I have Dude, no idea where the dumpster uh... is in relation to my apartment. So if it's close, then yeah, I'll just walk it down. But if it's far, I'll have
1: someone else know it. That's
0: hilarious. She I've was like so something. amped about it when the lady was really? talking about it. She was like, and you're going
1: to love this. Oh my God.
0: Forget the fitness center and the pool trash
1: valet oh dude you so say you're in one of the, like those complexes where they have it all
0: Mm-hmm. it's really nice and it's dude. honestly for the same price as a place like an equal place in auburn it would be at least an extra five or six hundred a month so when you
1: incorporate all that together i would probably venture to say it's worth it you know what i'm saying
0: oh it's 100 you know, percent worth it absolutely. absolutely yeah yeah right? so. absolutely yeah i'm not i haven't i hadn't thought twice about it honestly when we looked at the those, place those
1: areas are yeah
0: it's a little outside of town, which is why I think it's a little more affordable. Because like for the same setup, closer into downtown, they were asking like four or five hundred more, which is was like a little outside our price range or what we wanted to pay. Yeah. We could afford it, we just didn't want to pay it. Uh, but then we found this. We were actually just driving by and we found it, and we were like, "Oh shoot!" So yeah, worked out pretty well. But besides that, Rachel has graduated. She is officially a doctor of veterinary medicine. Does she so make you a doctor <laughs> she makes me call her dr Rachel. um no 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 but i I want <laughs> I want to have gone. the I want I want to have the DJ introduce her as doctor because I know she doesn't like it when everyone calls her doctor she's like very she's very That's humble she's very yes. humble so like, doctor and mr gladfelter
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude oh my god end of an era man out of the Alabama
0: I know I know I gotta <sighs> change all my stuff over again. Just moving is such a pain. So inconvenient at times.
1: I can't believe you're going to be just a southern gentleman for your whole life now.
0: <laughs> I might, I don't know, if, if I can no. find a job down here. I mean, I got I got some family down here, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed. I think Rachel's going to love this this clinic she's working at. They seem great. So
1: does Rachel want to ever start her own clinic or what?
0: I don't think so. There's just a lot of other stuff you got like bs you got to deal with so and i mean with the setup now i can't say this confidently right but with most practices especially small practices if you're there and then you plan to stay there for a while so say after three years i find a job nearby and we buy a house and stuff we're going to be there for like at least 10 to 15 years they might ask rachel to buy in so you're yeah. like a part owner if that makes sense yeah so it's I, I like her day-to-day wouldn't really change because they still have a, a like a practice manager who does all this like the day-to-day stuff but yeah so i don't know we'll see we'll cross that bridge Fine. when we come to it but hmm. besides that nothing else really going on just just hanging out yeah so ready to, you wanna you want to get into into things today let's do it all right so bow fishing what do you know about bow fishing riley have you heard of bow I fishing? I actually
1: had a bow fishing Ooh. setup. Okay. Didn't use it too much. Okay. Um, I know in Minnesota, rough fish, quote mm-hmm. unquote, rough mm-hmm. fish. Um, I don't know if that's that's as far as I know. You okay. Shoot it, and um, I remember one time we were like down a, like a there's a lake within like the inlet of a creek. And these Mm -hmm. kids were one kid had a giant treble hook. He would cast and he would snag these carp. The plate thing was chock full of carp. I don't know if it was legal or not. I think it is. Some some it might be state by state, but so
0: part of what we'll talk about today is a lot of the bag limits and, and whatnot associated with bow fishing. So if that kid was bow fishing, there was very likely not a bag limit.
1: Yeah, but if no, he but was like,
0: just so... ro- if he was just like rod and reeling trying to snag him I have no idea. That, technically they so are invasive. He... I don't know how that works.
1: Yeah, He snagged and then he had another guy right next to him who would shoot.
0: Oh, so Yeah that doesn't sound, doesn't sound legal. I know. That doesn't sound legal.
1: Um, other thing about boat fishing on the Mississippi like when we camp mm-hmm. uh, just obnoxious boats with lights
0: the brightest lights on the planet Mm -hmm.
1: right next to the campground i was like seriously guys right here Mm -hmm. this is where you're doing it
0: yeah they can light up the night sky with those with those light bars it's pretty impressive Mm -hmm. setups
1: other than that not much okay that's it
0: well i'll just go ahead and get into things here so it's a relatively simple yet pretty challenging technique It's been practiced regularly going as far back as the Aztec Empire, but it's reasonable to believe it can date back much further, considering the bow and arrow uh, has origins going back 50 or 60,000 years. Today, though, there has been a resurgence of interest around bow fishing thanks to several things, including the compound bow, sophisticated lighting systems, tournaments with large cash prizes, and, of course, social media. So today we're going to take a look at what makes bow fishing fun and stimulating way to harvest fish, while also delving into the things that make it difficult from a game management standpoint. So, like I said at the top of the show, uh, I'm going to be focusing here only on bow fishing in North America because it's it's easier for me to find information on it, and it's far more popular here in the states compared to other areas around the world. So as I Mentioned earlier, bow fishing dates back as far as the 14th century uh, with the Aztec Empire. Other Native American tribes, like the Caracawa people who resided along the Gulf of Mexico, used spears to gig flounder at night under torchlight. As the American continent was settled by Europeans, bow and spear fishing continued to be popular into the 1800s as lanterns replaced torchlights. It wasn't until the 1970s that modern light bulbs and light bars began to be mounted to boats, thanks to the invention of 12 volt batteries. And couple that. Thomas Edison. Yeah. 1970 Thomas Edison, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So couple that with the newly introduced compound bow in the 1960s and the skill to effectively bow fish was lower than ever before. So fast forward to the 2010s and modern bright LED light bars, compound bows able to be fitted with line and reel while firing arrows upwards of 300 feet per second can be seen everywhere, including YouTube. Yes, in the past 10 years or so, bow fishing appears to be an attractive, challenging, and relatively affordable pastime for outdoors men and women across the country. According to the U.S. Patent Office, the number of bow fishing-related patent applications never went above three per year prior to 2012, since then, that number spiked to 15 applications in 2014 before waning again to about five a year since 2016. On top of that, the Archery Trade Association noted a massive increase in archery participation between 2012 and 2015, with a 9% increase of interest in participation in the Midwest, 14% increase in the Northeast, 31% increase in the Western US, and 36% increase in the Southern United States. So overall, a massive increase in interest across the country.
1: I love that there's stats for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great. Like, yeah. think about, but like, I like that there's a group tracking every. Like, mm-hmm. I was listening to a real estate podcast and they had like the data people on talking about mm-hmm. stuff. And I just love to think that somewhere there's some offices where like a guy walks in and he's like, look at these bowfish numbers and people are like there's <laughs> something here And <laughs>
0: people are really getting into bowfish well if you think from a, like a marketing yeah. standpoint right i mean yeah, it's powerful yeah. to have those numbers
1: so we'll think about like yeah like a compound bow company mm-hmm. like how do we increase capital and they're like yeah look at the bow. look at the bow numbers don
0: yeah bow fishing <laughs> so according to mossy oak here are the couple things you need to know when you want to start bow fishing so first thing i need to mention is that most bow fishing is targeted towards rough fish or species that are less desirable than your typical sport fish like riley mentioned earlier common bow fishing target species include common carp grass carp long nose gar bowfin snakehead catfish drum and flounder In some marine areas, you can also target certain ray species, but we're not going to focus too much on marine systems today. So it's also important to note that the cost of entry for bow fishing isn't terribly high, especially for any outdoors person who already has a compound bow, and you don't even necessarily need a bow. You could do it from the shore if you really want to. A decent bow fishing kit will start around $100. You can certainly find cheaper options uh, out there than a hundred dollars and you could find crazier setups for over a hundred dollars. But that's that's about the number that I saw floating around out there. Beyond that, you really just need a spotlight or a light bar for going at night. You can certainly do it during during the day. Uh, And I mean, any investment thereafter, like a shooting platform for a boat tricked out lighting system will certainly make your expense easier and perhaps more enjoyable, but they really aren't required. You can really just get out there with a, With a bow fishing setup on your compound bow and just wait around in the shallows and you'll you'll probably get something if you're if you're careful Mm -hmm. enough so according to mossy oak when you're first starting to bow fish it's best to start with water bodies that you're already familiar with this way you know where the shallow areas are that you need to target and it'll also be easier to navigate the more familiar water at night if you're going at night of course there really isn't much to it other than that stick to the shallows move slowly and stay patient If you're wondering when the best times to bowfish are, Mossy Oak claims that it's really up to personal preference in the target species. If you prefer to bowfish at night, then you can go practically year-round, as long as your state permits as much. If you prefer to bowfish during the day, your best bet is to focus on the spring spawn, with most species are sticking to the shallows. Hmm. Now, perhaps the trickiest part of bowfishing is combating the light refraction, So when you're viewing things in the water, the light bends differently. This isn't news to anyone who's done the old stick a straw or pencil in a glass of water thing. So you can see how much it appears to bend and, you know, things like that. All this is really to say that when you're targeting a fish, you need to aim lower than if you would, as if compared if the target was out of the water. So this will help you compensate. And if you're asking me how much you have to adjust, like how much lower you need to aim on the fish. That just depends on the fish's depth, how far the shooter is from the surface of the water. You 100% will get frustrated when you're first starting out. but enough practice and you'll be able to just kind of adjust without even really thinking about it and you'll start hitting your target. So it's really just trial and error and practice sort of thing when you're first starting out. And that's pretty much the bare bones basics of how to get into bow fishing. There's plenty of other info out there on YouTube where people you know show you what it's like to go out there for a couple times being a strictly audio platform we can't do that so feel free to check out some people on youtube but let's let's delve into the management side since that is in my opinion the much more interesting part of of bow fishing here so most of what i'll be covering from here on is from a 2020 paper by dennis scarnecchia and jason Schoolie titled, Bow Fishing in the United States, History, Status, Ecological Impact, and a Need for Management. The authors of this paper do a great job going back and forth on the pros and cons related to the popularity of bow fishing. For example, some popular bow fishing target species include invasive carp, including the the nuisance Asian carps. Furthermore, tournaments inject revenue into local economies, and the purchase of hunting or fishing-related equipment funnels more funding towards the conservation, thanks to the excise tax associated with the Pittman-Robertson Act of 1937. On the other hand, though, misidentification is incredibly common in bow fishing, and the nature of the sport means any caught fish can't be released with any expectation of survival. Furthermore, depending on the size of the fish or the placement of the shot, there can be a lot of wasted meat in harvested individuals. So let's, let's try to dig a little bit deeper here, shall we? So one of the more complicated issues related to bow fishing is the target species, which range widely depending on the state. Bow fishing target species range from non-native and outright invasive species such as carps to native and declining species of high ecological value such as ba- gars, buffalo fishes, and even paddlefish. This also includes non-fish species like bullfrogs, American alligators, and various uh, species of turtles, but we're not gonna talk about those. It's also important to note that among all 50 states pulled by Skarnecki and Schooley, only nine had bow fishing education programs and none had specific and articulated management goals for bow fishing. So there wasn't a specific You know, goal they're working towards, like for the typical, uh, say, deer management that they have for North American game. You know, there isn't an equivalent to that with bow fishing. It seems much more of an unregulated pastime than an actual Hmm. um, management or a uh, outdoorsman sport, if you will, in that classical sense. Interesting. Yeah, it seems that that's kind of a common thread throughout this whole this whole thing we'll be talking about here. So when you're trying to devise a management strategy for bow fishing, it's it's really important to consider the high rate of bycatch and essentially 100% mortality. On top of that, contrary to traditional bow hunting for species like deer, where males are uh, also almost always larger than females and targeted more often, the opposite is true in fish species, as we discussed on a previous episode. Females are often larger than males uh, between the between the two sexes there. And they're targeting in bow fishing, uh, which can drastically alter the age and size structure of local populations of prized native species. In extreme cases, this unnatural selection can prompt evolutionary responses, as reported by Kuparinen and Marilla in a 2007 paper. These issues are not unique to bow fishing, but are a far greater concern in bow fishing compared to, to traditional angling these concerns are even more worrisome in regions with high or no bag limits, which is most of the country with relation to bow fishing, like I mentioned earlier uh, with your example there, Riley. So Skarnickia and Schooley do a lot of comparing and contrasting between bow fishing and traditional bow hunting. They know that, They note that traditional bow hunting has been formally organized in the US since 1828 with the formation of the United Bowmen of Philadelphia and the National Archery Association, which was later founded in 1879, now known as USA Archery. These organizations were created to foster and promote the sport of bow hunting, as well as provide necessary resources and training. To this day, there are about a thousand formerly recognized bow hunting clubs across the U.S. Meanwhile, a formal bow fishing body wasn't organized until... Uh, 1989 with the formation of the bow fishing association of america more recently the archery trade association launched a quote explore bow fishing program in 2016 to accommodate the sports growing popularity this lack of organization and combined voice is likely contributing to limited management efforts focused on bow fishing so it doesn't seem to be so if I could put on my conservation hat here for a second, <clears throat> and like outdoorsman person's hat. It seems so when you get a lot of interest in a sport, so say duck hunting or deer hunting, you get these huge and powerful nonprofit organizations, Ducks Unlimited, Bucks Unlimited, things like that. And they can really, really have a lot of sway when it comes to legislature and, and things like that. You know, and there doesn't seem to be anything close to an equivalent here with bow fishing where they can try to conserve the resource that they're utilizing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So earlier I mentioned competitive bow fishing tournaments with large cash prizes as another contributing factor for the sports growth. One of the oldest and most popular bow fishing tournaments is the U S in the U S is the great lakes bow fishing championship, which has been held annually since 1984. In the tournament's inaugural season, it boasted only 20 competitors and a combined harvest of 4,800 pounds. Mind you, all of that, that was 100% cold. You know, you can't, that's not catch and release of boat fishing. So 5,000 pounds of fish, gone. In the 2019 iteration, they had 266 competitors and a combined harvest of 34 thousand pounds.
1: In the An Great absolute... Lakes. Hmm? In the it... Great Lakes. Did you say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gosh, what were they going for? Rough fish?
0: In that particular iteration I couldn't find any information, but we mm-hmm. do have I have information a little bit later on a different tournament. So yeah it's a four thousand pounds. Thirty four thousand pounds of total harvest. And that number seems insane, and it is. And there's a reason for why that number is so high. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit later. So the target species, like competitors. I
1: mentioned. I'm so sorry for interrupting you. No, 200. you're
0: fine. 266.
1: Are you doing the math? Yeah. 127, 128 pounds a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to think that one person just went balls to the wall and like that was just them
0: so I don't mention it here but in my research in one particular tournament I th- it was one of the US Open Bow Fishing tournaments I don't remember what year so they had like a like your minimum you know your minimum bag limit right so if you want to be in the tournament say you have to catch in weigh, way I don't know 10 or 15 fish this one person caught 90 this one year all by himself 90. 90 fish meanwhile you only needed to weigh like 10 or 15 he was just like i'm going i'm going
1: after them today like, so yeah my day yeah i come out here to look at water that's right
0: <laughs> so the target species for bow fishing tournaments depends on the competition itself the u.s open bow fishing tournament has four groups including native buffalo fishes native gars non-native carps and other native species Each group comes with its own cash prize, and prize funds can reach up to $100,000, which was the fund for the 2018 U.S. Open Boat Fishing Tournament. There have been instances where the State Fish and Wildlife Agency puts restrictions on the target species, like when the state of Tennessee restricted the target species of the 2016 U.S. Open Boat Fishing Tournament to only non-native carps. It's also worth noting that the bow fishermen themselves can govern the groupings. In 2014, the total harvest for the U.S. Open was 85% common carp. However, in 2018, the harvest was 55% native buffalo fishes, 25% native gars, and non-native carps comprised only 17% of the harvest. So it also varies widely depending on who's there and where they are. So it's Mm. Mm. perhaps a little worrisome. So on top of all this, uh, the rules associated with bow fishing tournaments are much, much more relaxed than comparative angling tournaments. Typical angling tournaments allow for, say, and just this is just an example I'm pulling out here, they may allow for, say, five fish. All fish must be alive on weigh-in, and these fish are either your five heaviest fish, allowing you to replace fish as you get heavier ones, or your first five caught. More progressive tournaments like the Montana Walleye Circuit run tournaments solely based on length, giving each competitor an SD card at check-in, and each angler only needs to take a picture of their catch on the bump board. Smaller fish pictures can be deleted if larger ones are caught and recorded. Meanwhile, for the U.S. Open Bowfishing Tournament, teams select their 20 largest fish and deposit them into a weigh bin. A vast majority of caught fish are simply disposed, of after weigh in again these 20 fish could be all invasive carp or all native buffalo fishes depending on the tournament or the competitor hmm. so you could really be removing a large amount of fish and that could be anywhere from native fishes to non-native fishes
1: give me your top 20 biggest fish put them in this bucket
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I love it that's it just kidding mm-hmm.
1: I'm kidding yeah it's concerning
0: yeah it's Certainly interesting would and...
1: interesting for an invasive right? if it was like mm-hmm. an invasive true but yeah
0: if it was only invasive, I think this is a right. phenomenal management strategy. but part of the problem is there doesn't seem to be a management strategy and we're mm-hmm. going to get into that. We're gonna get a little bit more into the numbers here. Hmm. So like I mentioned at the start, Skarneia and Schoolie polled state fisheries managers or equivalent personnel in 2018 and reported their responses as of 2019, bow fishing is legal in all 50 states, with 44 of those states only requiring a general fishing license. Honestly, I'm okay with that. I don't see... The only thing that would be nice with having a special permit is then you can document and actually see how much participation you're getting with just bow fishing as opposed to regular angling.
1: Yeah. So there yeah, is... I wouldn't have a problem. Trout stamps here are like 10 bucks. just as an yeah. example. Yeah. I, I know I, people I get upset. Even like, just like a a free almost a free stamp
0: that's a good point you could just make it free just to document if you're bow fishing or not that's that's a really good point yeah because i know people get upset when you're like oh it's one more thing you have to get or want to get to pay for it yeah just having a a free stamp that's a really good point i think that would be Mm -hmm. a good start and we'll talk about some of this a little bit later um iowa was the only state to require a specific bow fishing permit 28 states reported having restrictions on where bow fishing was permitted within the state, and 17 of those 28 had some time or seasonal restrictions. Only 12 of those states had restrictions on both where and when bow fishing is permitted. 30 states, meanwhile, reported having bow fishing tournaments on their waters. Only half of those 30 were able to report the number of tournaments held each year, with Oklahoma hosting the most at over 50 each year. Of the states that reported hosting tournaments, Arizona, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Oregon, Iowa, and Michigan, all held between one to ten tournaments annually, and they also expressed that the state has no concerns regarding the management of these bow fishing tournaments. Meanwhile, the four states that had the most tournaments, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, and Oklahoma, all expressed that the state has concerns regarding the management of the tournaments. So hmm. something that, that's potentially a problem, right? If you're yeah. having, if you have an issue with how these tournaments are run, maybe shouldn't allow over 50 to be held each year until you can get a hold on, on the fishery, but neither here nor there. Uh, some of the concerns that the States had with hosting bow fishing tournaments include inadequate data on bow fishers and bow fishing as the greatest concerns. Along with wanton waste, user conflicts, public perception or ethics, and inadequate data on targeted species. Despite making claims of management concerns, only three states, being Illinois, Montana, and South Dakota, reported having a bow fishing monitoring program. Another 11 states include bow fishing as an option in a yearly angler survey, while the remaining 36 do not monitor bow fishing in any way. So there's just an entire fishery or fishery method that states just most of more than half of states just aren't collecting data on.
1: Yeah probably need mm-hmm. to get a couple numbers eh
0: yeah well, just the fact that you're sanctioning it and not even recording any data is not nah, any documentation is a little frustrating. Uh, One beta data I really wanted to share here pertains to the stated preference of target species by bow fishermen and the actual species shot and captured during the tournament prior to the 2018 U.S. Open Bow Fishing Tournament. Uh, So prior to that tournament, teams were polled on their preferred target species. Gar was the most preferred at 49%. Carp were next at 36%. Then buffalo fishes at 11%. And all other species make up the remaining 4%. After the tournament, here were the results of what was actually harvested. Gar made up only 20% of the harvest, despite being the most preferred by bow fishermen. ARP made up only 17%, despite being second most preferred. The far and away most targeted species was native buffalo fishes at 53% of the total harvest, despite being only the third... Most preferred at eleven percent prior to the tournament. So I guess my question here is: This a function of just shooting what's out there? Is it just a scorched earth approach, kind of its brown its down approach that some people talk about with terrestrial hunting? Is it misidentification? I do you have any thoughts on this, Riley? Because this was, I don't know, this was this was interesting to me. This, this may just be a fluke one off year because this was just one year. So maybe it was just a weird year. People were mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm targeting, uh, what was it? I'm targeting Gar, but all I found was Buffalo Fishes and I'm trying to win this tournament. So I'm just going to shoot Buffalo Fishes this year.
1: Yeah. I think it could be a combination. If you're looking for 20 fish, happy to mm-hmm. get 20 fish on the board. I'm mm-hmm. not saying this is the term ever that happened, but then if it's Brown, it's down, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah I'm going to get as many fish as I can make that decision what my max weight limit is, right mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I think so this this brings up a really good point that I really wanted to get into before we kind of wrap things up here is that I hope it doesn't come across that I'm blaming the bow fishermen because I'm really not I'm really putting more I'm trying to put more of the onus on the state agencies in that if you're allowing this practice to happen you need to be able to manage or regulate it in some way especially if you have several states saying that they have concerns with how these tournaments are being run you know you can have you're having a tournament re yeah. in some in some cases removing you know thousands and thousands of pounds of fish you don't know if those fish are native if they're invasive they're not collecting any data on these fish you know you have no regulations on how many people can fish how many fish they can remove it's 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 a little worrying from a fisheries management standpoint yeah, right
1: definitely well so i know here to start a tournament you need a state state permit right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if the state has issues it's on the onus is on them oh i agree 100 yeah, percent. like like if you have such big issues why are you giving out the permits yeah it's like car before the horse right
0: mm, um, no i i agree
1: yeah also, I don't yeah, know if it's yeah.
0: something that they don't think is very popular. So they don't see it as they're removing that many fish, but I think mm-hmm. it it sounds obvious when you say it out loud, but you know, with bow fishing, you're you you have to you have to kill the fish in order to harvest it. There's yeah. no catch and release bow fishing. <laughs> so I maybe yeah, it's just my... something that you don't think about it until the numbers actually pop out at you.
1: I've definitely like when you see a Big mouth buffalo swim. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I guess it depends on water clarity, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. that you. I mean, they like I'm thinking carp, ca- mm-hmm. common carp for it's like big mouth buffalo mm-hmm. inhabit similar areas. Yeah, but like. You, you,
0: I mean, it's I, I mean, guess, but yeah, part if you of like that... if
1: you're like what I'm thinking. Like if if there's a term just for invasives, right? Be like, mm-hmm. could you tell the difference between before you shoot? You might be able to. I don't know. I mean, so,
0: yeah. So two things with that. So one, you know, only nine states have education programs associated with boat fishing. So that could be fixed. But also there is a precedent for this. And I think it's in Canada or it's Minnesota, Wisconsin. It's somewhere in that area with because some states allow spear fishing through the ice. And you can target. I'm going to get the species wrong it's like you can target muskies, but you can't target pike or vice versa. And they look
1: pretty similar. They look pretty
0: similar. Right. So if you're targeting, so pike then, so if you're targeting pike and a small muskie comes through and you hit a muskie, that's on you though. That's a violation on you. So there's, there's a precedent for that, you know? Yeah. You miss ID'd it, but, but that's on you. So.
1: Yeah. I, I'm thinking there would be some telltale signs. Mm -hmm. Um, it would be education, though. Yeah, no, definitely. um Yeah, Pike, Pike spearing here is mm-hmm. a thing. I want to try
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it looks fun. There's, I've seen a lot of YouTube videos on it.
1: <laughs> I really want to try it. We have a spear sitting at my house, my family's like oh, nice. house, like a trident like kind of thing used to do it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, it's one with like a lot of barbs. But yeah, yeah, okay. That's I would to awesome. try it and just keep it, keep it OS, you know, old school. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So just to kind of wrap things up here. So I also kind of want to give a little bit of a little bit of sympathy and, you know, kind of not put everyone against the state agencies. And this this is one key reason. So one thing associated with all this is, of course, funding. It all comes down to the bottom dollar here. So as the sport expands and harvests continue to increase, the fishery as a whole needs to be reevaluated when we're talking about bow fishing. So, in that way that you know, the proper funding and management can kind of be reallocated to these different state agencies. So, the current conservation model sends all money associated with the conservation excise tax towards wildlife except for reels and spools and some other minor fishing related things, but if you had to compare the amount of money spent towards terrestrial hunting versus tackle, I'm sure it's very disproportionate, right? Mm-hmm. So this current model leaves comparatively fewer resources for fish and wildlife agencies to dedicate towards fisheries management, particularly towards bow fishing. So from here, I think we already covered a lot of stuff, Riley. So I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to touch on here, especially, you know, kind of given your experience you've had working with people in various state agencies. I guess one thing that I I think the first thing, is you you have to get information. You have to get the data, because then if you can get the data and figure out how many people are participating in bow fishing, then you have an idea of how many bow fishermen and women you have, how many anglers you have, and then how many terrestrial hunters you have, and then you can allocate your funding properly. You know, if you're having five thousand, I'm going to make up numbers again. If you have fifty thousand terrestrial hunters and fifty thousand anglers and bow fishermen, then that theoretically, in my opinion, should probably go 50-50 with that funding. Someone can probably explain to why it shouldn't, but at least in my head, that makes the most sense to me right now. But I don't know if you have anything else to say on that.
1: I think it will, will, what comes to mind is like um, almost like hiking and like mountain biking. So this mm-hmm. is going to be a weird tangent. I'll make the connection here. But like, so, um, Okay. I don't know we're like the area that I'm from like mountain biking wasn't really a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it like really boomed. Right. And then so all these like organizations that maintain the trails had to make that decision. We're like, Oh, this is like a popular sport. Now we need to like include it in our management plan. And I know yeah. like, Oh, Iowa talking to a couple, like the, the land supervisor, or whatever and they were talking about, like, yeah, some stuff we can't do because of the other stuff we're doing. But like the, the connection there is like, if you have a sport that's becoming more popular, so like with the mountain biking example, it would be like, oh, someone's going to go bike down the 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 hill. People are hiking, but it's like one biker, no big deal. But then when you have like 50 bikers going uh-huh. barreling down and then you have these people hiking up, you need to have trails that's just for hiking. So like, um, that is to say, like with this, if you have this popular sport and they're putting giant numbers up, like 10 plus thousand mm-hmm. pounds something to be interesting like to yep maybe we should just put some regulations on it mm-hmm. um really think regulations but then if you want to go like those unbridled type of tournaments just do it invasives yeah just yeah go that's the i don't down, see the most infestive lake go mm-hmm. for it the only thing that like raises when you're talking about is like state agencies saying they're concerned about it Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you, to my understanding, you give out the permit. So Mm -hmm. if you're concerned, you like take that action and Mm -hmm. don't say like, oh, we don't like this. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I get, I get it. Right. Like I get, there's a lag. So I think, yeah, I think, I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's appropriate to like take a look. Right. And be like, no, I agree. What kind of things and play by ear. Um, It's,
0: I think it's almost appropriate because we just talked about a very, very extreme case. Of like tragedy of the commons and whatnot with Lake Victoria, we talked about yeah. the lack of regulations and how that kind of ran that lake into yeah. the ground, and then we come right here, in our own backyard here in the great U.S. of A. and we're talking about bow fishing, <laughs> which is going a hundred percent unregulated, and putting up some pretty staggering numbers in some areas with the number of mm. native and invasive species. So it seems like the effort is there, and I don't think, at least in my opinion, I don't. I don't think you need to change bow fishing aside from just target, take as many non-natives as you want.
1: Yeah. I definitely don't think, I don't think you did like paint the bow fishers the villain. I think anything, mm-hmm. I think like having anything like available, I think it's great.
0: Yeah. And then, like, like, it looks like a, mean, you got a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I tried it a couple times. It is fun. I never shot anything though. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, dude, just another way to get people out. Mm-hmm. And if, Yeah. Like, let it go, and if it becomes an issue, then look at it. So, if it's becoming an issue, take a look at it. And the the outcome might be like, we're just gonna let it go, you know what I'm saying? Like, that can be an outcome, but uh, yeah,
0: I guess. So, from a state agency perspective, would you just want to get as much information as you could and then kind of evaluate it as that data comes in?
1: That's the would be the start, Mm -hmm. and like. This again, especially if they're concerned, yeah, you better begin that data, like yeah, yeah, what the heck, Mm -hmm. so um, and then, yeah, because I mean that would and then like you we talked about like getting a number of people actually doing it if it so if you, like yeah, it's a very different type of fishing, right? So if Mm -hmm. you had a free stamp, that'd be like oh, sixty percent of our group pop like they bought, so like you need a free stamp to go bow fishing. If mm-hmm. you don't have that stamp, you might get, in... maybe that the trouble would be that you're required to buy, like not buy, but like you're required to get that stamp. Like that's mm-hmm. the, the violation. The violation is just go get a stamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. So yeah, if you see your population, your fishing population has, you know, 25% of your people are partaking in the sport that doesn't have very good regulations around it. Eh, that could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would go by the numbers for sure.
0: Yeah. So then from the perspective of the bow fisherman, if you see this as an issue, but you really, really like the sport, what would you suggest? Is it just better organization trying to get kind of a better voice together?
1: That's a good question. It would be show me the numbers. If mm-hmm. I was the, the bow fisherman it'd be like, okay, it, it, I don't think we're making that big, much of a deal. Show me the mm-hmm. numbers. Secondly, yeah, no, that's how a good much point. Are they? So like what? Cause I think, buffalo big mouth buff like th- there's a limit on big mouth buffalo in there America, is so, so like are are we going over the the native limit mm-hmm. um because yeah if you have 200 people and they got 200 if they're all within the same limit then you're like yeah then you're na- you're, you're still keeping whatever our limits in check mm-hmm. not in check but like so you're not going over so yeah definitely oh god even before like if i was a state agency i would have concerns about this like, gosh I'll do your numbers even before saying that because you're picking yeah. out a whole group mm-hmm. yeah okay and then, yeah sticky man because yeah you don't want to i don't know
0: i know it's it's, like, tough. What, it's what's
1: a... your yeah as an agency what's your place i wouldn't say like tell people yes or no i don't know
0: yeah it's like, yeah. that's the thing is if a state agency i mean they already did right you already had what five agencies come out and say at least in a published academic journal that they're concerned with how these tournaments are being managed so then from the bow fisherman's perspective at least they're painted in a negative light that they're taking advantage yeah. um, of the resource in a way that the state agency doesn't approve of yet the state agency is approving of them to utilize this resource in this way so it's in my yeah. in my opinion you can never as long as they're doing it ethically you can't fault the you know the hunter or the angler for how they're using the resource as long as it's it's an illegal way <sighs>
1: So what did they, What did they say? What they're using the like, that that poundage of fish? Are they like fertilizer or something? Or like, I can't
0: speak that? for all of the instances. Mm-hmm. S- at least the paper mentioned to mention the wanton waste. Sometimes it's dumped illegally back into the lake. Sometimes it's just thrown into a landfill. I'm sure some do some sort of composting. Get
1: creative. That wasn't
0: that wasn't given as an example. So I can't I can't. And again, this was four years ago this was published so i'm sure so a lot of a lot may have already changed um if someone has yeah, an info please let us know
1: because like i know the quote-unquote rough fish or like mm-hmm. a carp there's like don't don't throw it back and mm-hmm. then people are like you know bop it in the head and then throw it in like the weeds right next <laughs> yeah. to like the public access and then it just mm-hmm. reeks i'm like i don't i don't know yeah yeah have like well, a that, receptacle at least right yeah, yeah well that's the problem
0: there. when you have a large-scale tournament where it's yeah everything you catch is dead you know and nah, i'm no. like i mean you probably consider if it's a body shot 100 percent, you probably can't eat that meat because you're rupturing all the internal organs
1: oh for contaminating sure. yeah, the fillets. Like, yeah again if these states have concerns just put it in the permit be like yeah and maybe they do right be like where are you gonna throw the fish away mm-hmm. you know uh did you do any education at least Give like a little sign saying like this is what the the native uh, um, regulations are, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you can't go over thirty fish in your bag mm-hmm. limit, but other than that, go wild. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. Like I don't I don't see why it would be a problem. And then yeah, to paint yeah, I don't think I don't think you are right painting it in the yeah. negative light. And it's just, yeah. it just is what it is. It's mm-hmm. just a different way of fishing, right? Yeah, I think it's no.
0: Like I said, yeah. I mean, I have a bow. I've bow hunted for a while now and i really enjoy it i never i've thought about getting into bow fishing um but it just it was never something that really really spoke out to me i didn't know how to get into it at least in new jersey um so i don't know but yeah i I do
1: get like so native fish population you're going out there because i've seen some of those where they take down like a gar and they're putting in four or five shots on them maybe gar yeah. is not that way i don't know if they eat gar but like if you're you
0: are just... you can i mean you can harvest gar with bow fishing yeah
1: yeah so i guess like yeah if you're if you're harvesting it killing it so like know you're 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 what you're doing right so it's like if you yeah i think like, i don't think a deer what... hunter would shoot 40 deer and not eat it so like yeah
0: if... i think you know yeah. what i think that also brings in an interesting part of this fishery right is yeah. a lot of times we talk about hunting or fishing is if you're harvesting, you're harvesting to eat. And yeah. for bow fishing, that doesn't seem to be the case. Now, like I said, if it's non-native, I don't care. I really don't yeah, care. Yeah, no, for if sure. If it's non-native, kill as many as you want. You don't have to eat them. Eat as many or as few as you want. Yeah. Um, but to think it's a native resource and it's not being utilized does, I don't know. It yeah. makes me, I don't know. I don't, makes so that, me a little uncomfortable.
1: So maybe I'll refine my, uh, yeah response to where it's like yeah even if it's within the bag limit like if you're throwing away native fish just Mm because yeah that's where i I could see it be a bad light i would agree right like if Mm -hmm. you're just just for funsies like eh, yeah um at least have an idea of what you're gonna use it for yeah fertilizer
0: yeah and i mean especially in today's in today's climate right today's political climate where it seems like outdoors men and women are being targeted pretty heavily to think yeah you know you're yeah you're utilizing a resource and not using it Mm -hmm. to its full potential could certainly that could get that could get bowfishing in the crosshairs to be cut out of
1: and that's i mean something i don't know the group would definitely be i think is aware of right because it's like out of any group like you're probably the number one hit list because it's like yeah you There's no going back, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So like, if you don't want to eat that thing, Mm -hmm. um, really think about it, because um, yeah, that's where yeah, the environmentalist in me is getting all, you know, because it's like yeah, Yeah. I mean, you got to play devil's advocate sometimes,
0: right? You got to play both sides of the fence sometimes to look at this, look at these issues. Um, I think
1: like like um, archery, wildlife, right? mm -hmm. I think that that message is clear where it's like you're gonna shoot it, you're gonna eat it,
0: great, Mm -hmm. hundred percent
1: so yeah tournaments where it would be just throwing them in the garbage after you yeah. shoot it even like natives great invasives again well even with invasives too like if you had a giant tournament like that like you can like the people use like uh, asian carp right yeah like so like if you're an organ an organized group where you have like oh we're expecting a couple ten thousand pounds, be like mm-hmm. maybe on the back end you should figure out like hey, we're going to donate it to food mm-hmm. or, like, dog food. I was society. to say dog food. Crap, yeah. You know, Honestly. Right? yeah. So, mm-hmm. That's yeah, what they I use mean, a lot of, like, Asian carp for so.
0: Yeah, that would probably be a great way to flip the mm-hmm. script on uh, mm-hmm. turning this from a negative light to being such a powerful management tool, as if bow fishing societies were like, we are the ones dealing with non-native species in our aquatic <laughs> systems. Yeah. Honestly, it would be super powerful, mm-hmm. but I think that's yeah, all. Yeah, dude, I had, like man. dude,
1: even if like if they cuz I know like Asian not a uh common carp, sometimes they like pen them, right? Mhm. Like if you as an organization want to pen those carp, like you you put in feed, they mm-hmm. like net like the giant nets and like bring them mm-hmm. in and then you guys just <laughs> shoot them with bows, you yeah. know? And yeah. just go wild. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Go, that sounds like a tremendously fun. <laughs> Get a guy <laughs> out there with a spear, you know, just do whatever yeah. you want. I don't know. No, I yeah.
0: agree. Yeah.
1: Make it into fertilizer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But that's all I had. I thought this was this was more of a, a fun kind of management. I think this is more kind of management y than we've got in a while. I like it. This was fun.
1: Yeah. But Definitely.
0: Yeah. All right, man. That's all I got, man.
1: Well, we'll see you next week. All
0: righty. See you later, buddy.